Hi, this is Ron in the Midwest. Um, yesterday I heard the uh, interview with the Fry Up Police. I went on Facebook just now. I'm trying to enter into their group. They asked three questions. What is the most interesting thing you have ever inserted in your anus? Considering the time of the year, I answered a Hanukkah menorah. Tell us more about the anal intrusion. So I wrote, sadly, I just didn't have the courage to light the candles first. And the final question is, is fried spam an essential fry-up ingredient? And again, thinking back to the interview yesterday, I wrote, if being served a Monty Python, fucking goddamn well better serve spam. I will now push the send button and see if I get in. I love you guys. Bye. You've been listening to Two Girls, One Podcast, produced by The Daily Dot. This show has been rated MSFA safe for anyone by the Motion Picture Association, which is weird since it's a podcast. And now your favorite meme lords, Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Hey everybody, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast, the show where we interview people from the internet. That's right. And today... I say this every time, but we have a great interview for you. And you know what? I say it every time because it's true. It is true. And the interviews are all very different. But today is like very aligned. It's a very meta interview. Well, I think we normally look at niche communities and it's like, oh, you know, they're just like us. Today, we're actually looking at everybody and like what all of our proclivities are online. Like it gets into specific. Anyway, we're going to tell you what this is. You're right. So there's an author. We're interviewing an author today. So a real legitimate human. And he basically analyzed Google searches, Pornhub searches and data, just took all the fucking search data off the interwebs and showed us what it says about us, which is so groundbreaking and fascinating because so many surveys are done by asking people what their habits or proclivities are. And people tend to... Lie. lie. But the, what you search for in the privacy of your own home is probably not a lie. And now we have that data available to us. You know, it's funny because I can see for us, like growing up, you, we all bridged this time before the internet was even a thing. So we didn't think Big Brother was watching us when we were on our computers. I'm surprised now people will Google search anything still. You know what I mean? Like, I would just assume somebody's seeing what I'm searching. Yeah, well, we were talking about that the other day, right? So the whole premise of Big Brother is that the government starts watching our every action. And instead of that, we have voluntarily given up our every action. Right. (laughs) Which is scary. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But taking it a little bit back, who the fuck we are. Yeah. We have a live comedy show called Blogalogs where we perform text from the internet word for word on stage. So we'll take Yahoo Answers. I just went old school. We'll take anything (laughs) from the internet and we perform it. But we give it unlikely characters and scenarios. So we're sort of catfishing the audience a bit, playing with digital Mm -hmm. identity and things like that. So we perform the internet as comedy. But then from doing that, we've seen, we've read way too many things on the internet and we decided let's start contacting the writers, the internet experts, the internet explorers, and let's interview them. That's right. And it's been mind-blowing to actually get to see these people because, well, you can hear us. We actually Google Hangout with them and get to see them and talk to them, yeah, which is really, see really them. cool. You don't actually get to see them. We get to see them. But yeah. today's uh, interviewee is so meta, I think, because in episode one, we interview a furry. I think it's episode two, we interview a professional tickler. Uh, we've interviewed, oh, we've interviewed a vampire, all these different communities, a lot of fetishes Mm -hmm. and things like that and his data looks at all of these tendencies you know apparently one of the top porn searches in japan according to his research is for tickling so uh, he is in a way looking at some of the same things that we're looking at only we do it as idiot comedians just kidding we're smart (laughs) sort of and he does it from like data and science so he's uh, more legit than we are but i don't think he's gonna be as fun maybe i don't know he might be he might be real fucking fun in which case go hang out with him and not us but he doesn't have a podcast yet so guys the book until he launches it (laughs) the book is called everybody lies big data new data and what the internet can tell us about who we really are Boom. Boom. I just get so excited. We, every time I hear that title, I need to read the fucking book, which I'm going to do. But we found this article about him and we were just like, holy shit, this is everything that we're looking at. That's right. Everything we've been researching. So, so Ellie, what are your Google searches like? 
Well, you know, my Google searches are fucking horrible and foul because for blogologs, I'm always Googling like how to fuck a monkey. Like, I don't know, just crazy ass shit that we can perform or like, what does breast milk taste like? Like just, I'm always Googling insane things. And I only recently discovered how you actually do the incognito tab thing. I think I'm used to my life being so abnormal that it like didn't even occur to me that maybe I should actually look into the incognito tab situation. I think we hold up as a badge of pride that we search for these things now because this is our profession and we are proud of it. But Allie, in the privacy of your own apartment, what are you really searching for on Google searches? (laughs) That's what I would like to know. I'm searching for overalls. Like I'm searching (laughs) for like the fastest blow dryer. Like boring shit. (laughs) You know, most people like they do boring shit at work and then they come home and they go crazy. I'm the opposite. You really? know what I mean? We're doing crazy shit at work all day. I come home and I'm like, I wish I could blow dry my hair faster. I'm just thinking know? of the autocomplete, the typing in the fastest blow dryer. <laughs> yeah. Just, just well, looking for products. Yeah. Otherwise you just get me. No, just kidding. Um, JK. But actually this reminded me of a tiny story. So like what we do for work is like pretty weird, right? I cannot tell you how many internet dates I've been on where the guy is, I'm sorry, he has a pretty typical job. He's a lawyer he works in finance yeah. and we're on a date i find a ton no of questions to ask him about his life then he says what do you do and i say oh i perform things from the internet and he goes cool and i always think to myself unless you just fucking went out with jen jamula i think that's pretty unusual you have no follow-up questions <laughs> i hate to tell you but i hacked your tinder and i've been going on dates with all the guys jen goes, anyone <laughs> i go do. out with but jen I'll, goes out with them one day before i'm just screening them for you really <laughs> thank you you're welcome i'm sorry i sent you the cool guys though just look cool if you're screening them for me your they screening process uh, is pretty, pretty shitty. bad yeah, i know <laughs> i know, I what, know. Are, what are you searching for jen Ugh, and the privacy of my own home. Uh, I think I look... Don't lie. Well, I won't get into specifics, but I think I look at like... Wait, ha- why aren't you going to get into specifics? Well, That's what we're get- here for. All right. Well, I was going to say like health and body stuff. Okay. Like, I don't know if it's like, like kind of like the is it normal questions. How Like do you- what? Like what? <laughs> Go on. Like to have a pimple on your butt. <laughs> okay. Do you know okay. what I mean? You know, we all look for stuff like this. Like, should you pop the pimple on your butt? Like, is it going to leave a scar? Okay. Um, how to get rid of a scar on your butt. <laughs> you know, there's a theme. There's a theme. Oh you my gotta God. follow it through oh. to completion. Oh my God, my butt is bleeding. What do I do? WebMD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, so I've been... Okay, I'll just... Whatever. The, TMI. You've TMI. already been there. Let's no, do it. No, but I've been dealing with hormonal acne recently, and I learned... Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I, I know because you told me, not because, <laughs> not, because, you, <laughs> not because I've been looking at you and horrified, but it, because you have well, talked to me about it. because most of it's it. on my butt. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, none of <laughs> well, it's on my butt. and you know what I've been looking at a lot lately, girl? <laughs> that ass. You're welcome. No, so actually, it's in a very typical place, which I learned through the internet, which is around, like, the lower portion of your face. But I've been doing a lot of searches around that. So, like, you know, what can you do to get rid of it? What is it supposed to look like? So I, I just learned through a lot of Googling, like, how people have been dealing with this. Well, my concern with the internet, which I think we all share, is sometimes I want I want answers like that on health issues. Like, I, I'm worried about my memory. I wish I had a better memory. Mm-hmm. And I've Googled things like, what can you eat for a better memory? But then it's like, you never fucking know what sources to trust. You know, you get right. like health magazine and healththis.com, WebMD, and you're just like, I don't know if any of these are true. So mm-hmm. then you're lost. So mm-hmm. do you ever ask philosophical questions like absolutely not but actually you might give me an example and then you know me i'll be like oh actually yeah i've asked that um like what like how can i have more courage <laughs> absolutely not it's I just interesting never... to see what other people post about st- like big life questions like that to see what people are saying anyway Hmm. I've just revealed a lot about myself. <laughs> Matt, what are you Googling? Well, I was just going to say, you are oh, going to get... Oh, Matt's our producer. He's here. Hi. Yeah, thanks for introducing me, guys. What were you going to ask? You're going to get... Both of those questions, you're going to get nonsense from Google, right? Yeah. Exactly. You're going to get like a lot of exactly. self-help people so who are like, buy, buy my book. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, because like even, you know, so-called reputable sources, you don't know... Fucking if I want to do like Wall Street Journal health section, don't they have a health section? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like who's writing that? Who knows? Like and also I don't want to talk about this because they were my dark days, but I worked in PR for like a hot second mm-hmm. 
And it was creepy because I realized that there's the ads and then everything else is still an ad. Yep. Because basically, an ad. Yeah. Uh, these companies are calling you trying to get product placement within your article. So you right. really cannot trust anything. Yeah. You know, As a representative of, me- of the media industry in the room, you have to yes. gather together a handful of reliable sources. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. th- like. If you're reading the New York Times, you have to trust that for a hundred years, the New York Times has said, whoa, there's a definitive line between PR and editorial, and we respect that line all the time. If you're reading like coolsite.com, that's really hot right now because it appeared last year and everyone's reading it. Well, they may not have the same editorial standards. You have to be wary of those types of Yeah, places. actually, the product that I had to push during my short stint, I won't name it, but there was like this big deal about pitching the New York Times, and the New York Times was like, yeah, we'll cover it, and they fucking slammed it and i was like right that's funny because they slammed it editorial they, they yeah because they were like this is greenwashing yeah. which i totally agree right yeah. yep yeah anyway yep. sidebar let's black out that entire portion of my life <laughs> my, my brief stint in every PR. time we record i learn about a new chapter in your life that i'm like how old are you 70 <laughs> i'm <Yeah>. 70 <laughs> matt's always like but also it's funny matt's like how did i not know that about you and i'm like why would you know that because about all me? you do is come into the studio and talk about yourself for three uh, hours yeah, a day. well that's why you're learning these things now <laughs> but yeah i i uh i had no life before this life but i had a few lives before this life mm-hmm. life and anyway but you know you can su- trust the source that you can trust aggregate google searches which is what we're going to be looking at today that's so, right We'll get into detail with him, but just to tease a few things for our listeners, apparently not shocking at all, but racism is still alive and well, which we all knew, but apparently that's very prevalent in Google searches, which makes me want to cry in a corner and give up on life. Uh, Apparently there is a self-induced abortion crisis, which also makes me want to curl up in a corner. What, meaning Not that people hanger. Um, are having unprotected sex and need to get abortions or they're giving themselves abortions? I think what I read is that it's a self-induced, they are giving, giving themselves, themselves abortions. abortions. Wow. Yes. Okay. But we can based ask on, about that. Based on information they find on Google? Yeah, like how, to give, oh, no, how do I, I mean, give myself look, an abortion? I don't know. We'll ask him. Okay. But what yeah. I took away from, just, just another interview I read with him, was that there is a, quote, self-induced abortion crisis, which I assume means people giving themselves abortions mm-hmm. because they can't access them or they're afraid to go or they don't know where to go. That's what I'm assuming. We can totally find out in a few dark minutes. But um, um, Apparently yeah. within married couples, it's extremely common for the wife to Google, is my husband gay? And it's also probably true that your husband, well, it's also probably clear that your husband's not gay based on his this same research. What he's seeing, men <laughs> yeah, searching and things. Yeah, that it's possible maybe women should be searching. I think I read something about like, is my husband depressed? Is he an alcoholic? But instead, everybody's like defaulting to gay. <laughs> right. And it's more likely that he's depressed or alcoholic. Yeah. So, yeah, there were some really fascinating things in there. And something, of course, that we're really excited about here at this podcast, I think, is the porn. porn. <laughs> so apparently everything is weird and therefore nothing is weird, which is actually hundred percent the yeah. theme of Two, <laughs> Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast. podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a lot of dudes are actually really attracted to elderly women and not admitting it. Mm-hmm. Boom. So start fucking older ladies, guys. My husband's just been born. Um, also. <laughs> He's in a basinette right now. <laughs> yeah. I had to take one I know, second to, to, process to process the mat. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, damn, good. That's true. Good yep. joke. Yep. So. <laughs> It's Matt's son. Just kidding. Oh, just no. kidding. Just kidding. Oh, I didn't mean to bring little Arthur oh. into this. I'm oh. kidding. That was a joke. Um, also, apparently, one of the number one. He's very cute, though. Yeah, he's, he's very super cute. cute. So the the there's total some husband material. Total husband, and he's gonna be smart and funny. So boom, uh, and he'll teach me how to use technology when I'm old. So basically, oh, and there's some uh, Google search in India. I forget what the complete what the full sentence is. My but husband wants. Yeah, the number one completion of that is to drink my breast milk or something. Yes. So apparently, men in India are trying to drink breast milk, but then. Uh, after this data came out when he tried to do interviews everyone denies it and is like no 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 um japan super into tickling yeah based on porn searches apparently men are much more interested in overweight women than super skinny women which goes against the cultural standard of thinking you know skinny is the most beautiful or something like that so he says it seems more likely that people are trying to impress their friends than go around and like actually fulfill their own desires right which is so mind blowing that rather than fuck what they want to fuck they fuck what their friends might want to fuck they, but they also wanna don't want to fuck <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, and then the pressures women have to be skinny that really shouldn't even exist, I suppose. Yeah. 
if we want to get Who fucked. wants it? <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of regurgitating. What are we doing to ourselves? We're going to learn a lot about ourselves today. Yeah, so we're All very excited. Those are yeah. just like a ton of teasers for you, but we're really excited about diving way deeper. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But we yep. have to take a break first. Whoa. Did you gargle your own <laughs> saliva? No. <laughs> I just, you guys know I like making weird noises into the microphone. And that it was just like happened. a Chewbacca noise. <laughs> That's my Chewbacca. That's right. bad. That's similar. Bad. Yeah. Thank you. Before we take a break, it is trivia time. Time. We should come up with a little trivia jingle thing that we always do. Trivia time. Trivia time. That's not it. Oh, okay. Trivia time. Trivia time. Trivia time. Oh, you know what gets me all the time? What? When you buy your new Metro card and it says add value or add time. I know. What are we talking about? <laughs> you know what we're here? talking about? Trivia. Did you answer a trivia question that I didn't ask? Is that what just happened? Did you yeah. add time and then go forward in time to answer my own question? Is that your question? Was your question You about totally the MTA? got it right. How did you know it? Oh my God, I nailed Ooh. it. No, we were making our trivia time giggle. Jingle. Giggle. A giggle. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Trivia we, giggle. <laughs> we were making our jingle and I said time like 15 times. Got and it. then I was like, oh, you know what gets me all the time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's just do the trivia. Yeah. This trivia question is about a platform we all love and love to hate instagram mm-hmm. okay. jen i know you're big on instagram uh actually i'm off it you're off you instagram are? not completely but i'm taking a break i made a post about it i did i made a post i was like guys i'm taking a break see ya it was like a week ago you know what, which jen, is big for me i think that's really good for you thank you yeah because no, jen wasting so much has time. a little bit of yeah uh, she's we've shared hotel rooms and i'm like why have you been scrolling I'm like trying to sleep and I'm like why are you still on Instagram you're spending time scrolling and looking I'm wasting time and also stalks people that maybe shouldn't be stalked yeah I just um I thought it would relax me and it's amping me up yep yeah yeah do you do the setting on your phone where you make it night (laughs) (laughs) you can do that with your phone I just make it night Allie's in another dimension. She's adding time. Guys, changing the time of day. I'm having a thing over here. No, but do you know about this? You can do like the sleep settings. Yes, I okay, actually just okay, saw this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. I don't think that's why you're getting amped up from Instagram. No, you get, you're looking at other people's lives, going looking at their like, shit. I'm getting excited. Yeah, it's not, it's getting, not, yeah, it's not, it's not good, good for your soul. I, I'm, I'm glad you. you and I. So, so you're yes. on a break. You're currently on a break. I'm on a break. Yeah, that's funny because I've like this week been like I should really post. Because <laughs> so like, like you Where know, is with the pressure media. coming from? Oh, well, because this podcast and our performance stuff and everyone's well, like you on your to, social you, following you have to market yourself people you we need do. to tell your fans where you are that's different from like Ugh. I have to post because I'm a user and I want to post something otherwise my friends won't see mm-hmm. me like that's no, a different no, 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 kind of pressure no, no, no. I have one fan she's my mom <laughs> <laughs> and I can just give her a call and tell her what we're up to Good. So. yeah does she even yeah. use Instagram no so there you go there we go alright don't need to be there alright did we have so, trivia even though we are you're on an, inst- an Instagram break <laughs> yeah this question is about Instagram about the got it we listen Listeners, we get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sticking around, those of you who are still here. Troopers. <laughs> who was the fastest person to reach one million Instagram followers? So there are a lot of public figures with a million or more Instagram followers that we know. Who got there the fastest from the moment his or her Instagram account was created? Kevin, who founded it. Oh. But I don't think that's right because your eyes only lit up after I said who founded it. I know. After I said Matt Kevin. has no poker face. Uh, <laughs> that's a really good well, guess. Because you though. just said Kevin, and I'm like Kevin. Who? who? Kevin. Who? The but founder. if it was the right answer, I would have been like, yeah, I would have mm-hmm. been like. I still don't Kevin. think it's the right answer, but that's my <laughs> first response. Uh-huh. That's a good guess. I mean, I'm thinking some celebrity, but mm-hmm. you said his or her. You did not say a. It's not a brand. Or like a puppy. I'm, I'm going to give you that it's his or her. It is a singular person. Okay. Um, they are. I, it's not giving too much away to say that they are a public figure. Mm-hmm. So you could say that they have a brand, but it is right, not right, like right. Coke. But it's not like Nike. It's okay, not Coke yeah, or yeah, Nike. Yeah, yeah. It is a singular person who achieved a million Instagram followers and was the fastest to do so, hmm. at least by current records. Hmm. I want to say Beyonce, but I don't think it's Beyonce. It's almost too obvious. Mm-hmm. Queen. Yeah, somebody who like joins in that day, they have a million followers. Well, um, that would be Beyonce. That would be Beyonce. It could be any celebrity. My gra- my guess is a crapshoot. It's probably not Beyonce because it's too obvious. Um, but it's not a bad guess. I'm like fucking Kim Kardashian. Whoa. Well, right. If I didn't know the answer, I'd probably be in the Kardashian zone. Nah, maybe not her, but someone like her. Mm-hmm. That would be my gut reaction. Right. 
Uh, That's not a hint, though. You're just saying what you hint. would do if you were in no, our place. No, I'm, I'm trying to feel what you're feeling. <laughs> yeah. and I would I would go there and I'd be sad about it. Yeah, or yeah. like Obama. Right. But it's not Obama, actually. I doubt it. Because how long has Instagram been around? Great question. When was it founded? What uh, year? What um, year? It could have been Obama. What year was it founded? It could definitely have been Obama, time-wise, for sure. Because he was around eight years. Oh, Instagram is... is and it's relatively uh, new. Good. Oh, but it's been around for a while. Hold on. I can tell you if you really care. Oh, yeah, you're right. But Six it's like maybe 2011, or? 2012. Is that right? So Instagram Instagram was released in 2010. Mm, so okay. that's, okay. that's that makes 44 sense. years ago. In internet time, yeah. I, I, it could be anyone. So I'm just going to go with Beyonce, even go though Beyonce. that's not right. Because that's like not... There's no way that Matt was like, I'm going to stump them with trivia. Who's popular? Beyonce. Like, that's just not trivia. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? But uh, All right. So Beyonce and Jen sticking with it's Kevin Kevin well. Systrom or, or no? Kevin Bacon. Oh. Kevin Systrom. Sticking six, with it. Six degrees of whatever. Seven. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You guys are one degree way from off. Kevin Bacon? <laughs> you guys are one, one or Kevin two. Kevin Bacon? You're, you're one to two degrees from Kevin Bacon. Why? Do you Sitting know Kevin Bacon? Yeah, I've directed him. <gasps> oh, yeah. You're that means you listen are like three degrees. Just name dropping, baby. Holy moly. So what does that make? So am I one degree? If you know him? Kevin Bacon is the no, zero you degree. Are you are Kevin, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> if you know him, you become him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that how? Okay. Yep, that's how it works. Got it. That's how the game works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we'll be back. After this. <laughs> and now a real personal advertisement entitled Looking for Male SNG from the hottest dating app you'll ever swipe. Looking for a strong male to fulfill a fantasy of mine. I am looking for a hot, discreet, shovel and go situation where you drive up and shovel all this snow from my driveway and sidewalk and then just leave. Cannot tell you how hot that would be. <laughs> I have a bad cold, so I will not help, b- but will be sexily watching as a peeping Tom from the window occasionally. So, come shovel. Oh, yeah, shovel it good. I would venture to say that is most people's fantasy. Definitely mine. Just shovel it and leave. No, mine is to just not live anywhere near... Where it snows. That's yep, true. No Avoid snow it all. Together. I want to be able to go to the snow, but I don't need it to come to me. So you want to like fly to it and play in it and then leave? Ski specifically, but yes. <laughs> cool. Okay. All right, Matt. <laughs> you guys ready for the trivia answer? Yeah, we're fucking ready for not driving on. Who yes. was the fastest person to amass a million followers on Instagram? I can tell you who it's not. Beyonce. <laughs> There's no way that's right. No okay, way. Okay, tell poor, us, tell us, tell poor us. Poor Beyonce, poor Beyonce. Um, actually, opposite, but okay. Okay. Rich Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The answer is Pope Francis. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, I love that because I'm fucking loving this Pope. I would consider yeah. conversion for this for Pope. For the Pope. Who's just killing it. But I love how there's like, long-held anti-abortion, anti-gay, and then as soon as a new pope's like, no, we're cool with it, everyone's like, okay, great. Because everybody lies. That was easy. (laughs) Yeah. He's doing great things. When the pope is more uh, open-minded and liberal than the the American president, president, we got issues. Cool pope just said evolution was was legit. (sighs) Yes, cool pope. Every, I mean, he's so fucking great, every goddamn, but we have trivia for you, Matt. Oh, really? Yeah, you remember, we have pope, we have pope trivia. Really? What has the Pope never done? What has Pope Francis never done? Or, or, yeah, the, yeah. or the We papacy? need to give you some options. Okay, okay. Ridden a bicycle. Well, should I give you multiple choice? Maybe, but... Go. In the future? <laughs> maybe, this, maybe. This could be maybe. Go on. So All Pope right. Francis has, has never... Ridden a bicycle. Uh, eaten ice cream. Played Monopoly. <laughs> tweeted. Or driven a car. Wow. Which one is it? I don't know why ice cream feels right to me. I just don't know why, but I feel like that's a thing I read, but I'm totally wrong. He's never tweeted. He he's has never a, tweeted. He has a Twitter account, but somebody else runs it. So he's he, never oh, okay. actually been on the internet. he's never used the internet. Yeah. He's never oh, used okay. the internet. Fair, but that's fair, the trivia. Fair. Well, that's similar to the Instagram following of yeah. like the Pope posted a photo but it's obviously not him right right yeah, he's not but that cool the fact that he's never used the internet is crazy but yeah. but uh, you know he has these wonderful views and speaking of the pope 
it's time to it's talk time about our <laughs> sexual desires. <laughs> yes, and so. Google searches and porn and racism and fetishism, everything. all the isms, all the things. So today we have with us again the author of Everybody Lies: Big Data, New Data, and What the Internet Can Tell Us About Who We Really Are. Seth Stevens Davidowitz. Welcome, Seth. Uh, thanks so much for having me. All right, Seth, I want to kick it off with a quote from you, which is 30% of people exclusively watch stuff that you would find disgusting. I want to know what you think I would find disgusting. So basically, tell us the craziest shit you found. It obviously depends on what you particularly enjoy. Like, you, know, you can't really guess what another person finds disgusting, but uh, basically, the point of that is that there's huge variation in what people watch. Uh, in online porn and kind of uh, there isn't really necessarily a normal and I do think for most people uh, you know the, even among straight people the, the stuff that a lot of straight people watch they would find uh, not particularly desirable and among gay people the stuff that other gay people watch they would not find enough, enough, uh, desirable so you know the craziest shit I find is you know people searching for uh, snot fetishes and anal apples and humping stuffed animals and all kinds of stuff like that but but they're also kind of uh things that are searched in pretty large number, like about 1% of men watch, uh, even young men watch elderly porn, which is definitely something that surprised me. Uh, you know, that's a lot of men who seem to be mostly attracted to uh, elderly women, which again, is not something that I think I would have, I would have expected before I saw the data. Let's back it up for a second, just so our viewers understand where exactly were you getting this information from and how are you getting it? Uh, well, this is data from Pornhub, which is, I guess, the largest porn site on the internet. Uh, and they send me their data on what people uh, watch and what people search on their site. What was the impetus for writing this book? Uh, you know, a lot of people have criticized me. I'm probably going to play into this criticism by saying that I'm just obsessed with sex. Who but isn't? The book's not all about sex. But yeah, that, I say, that's how I responded. So everybody's obsessed with sex, and if they're not, they're lying. So, uh, but, totally. You know, it wasn't initially meant as a, as a sex book. I was doing a PhD in economics, and I kind of became obsessed with Google search data. Because I'm just like, wow, this data set is so much better than the data that social scientists have been using to understand people. And I started researching a lot of areas in which the uh, traditional data were lacking. So things like racism or mental health. And then I think a, a big area where the Internet is much more revealing than traditional methodologies is definitely sex because of kind of the explosion of porn and and uh, now that this data is kind of recorded, we can uh, we can see what people watch. And, and I think it's very different from what people say they would watch because there's a lot of uh, stigma around sexuality. What were your findings around racism and mental health? I started the research. I was it was when Obama was president and uh, there was this idea that we lived in a post-racial society. And I, I as naive as I was, kind of believed that uh, I'd grown up in a pretty sheltered environment and uh I went to Google and I was shocked by how frequently people were searching for racist material, particularly uh, the N-word. And millions of people were searching it. It was searched about as frequently as Lakers, Migraine, and Daily Show, and Economist. And I was uh, shocked by the location of these searches. I thought they'd be in the Deep South predominantly, but they were also in parts of the Northeast and industrial neglect. And these searches, the places where these searches were highest, predicted almost perfectly a lot of political behaviors, places where Obama underperformed in his election. And they were the single racist search on Google were, according to many uh, data journalists like Nate Silver, the single highest predictor they could find for Trump support in the Republican primary. Uh, so that was kind of this thing that people weren't talking about, this secret racism that Americans had, uh, even when we thought we lived in a post-racial society, but they were expressing on Google. And uh, mental health, I've done some research on uh, depression. So like, it's not surprisingly, depression searches are lower in nice climates. But like the effect of it is just huge. It's like the biggest effect of anything in, in what makes people search for depression. Uh, that they, they just are so much higher in cold climates in the winter. Uh, so like like I, I calculate that moving from Chicago to Hawaii is about twice as effective in curing depression as antidepressants, <laughs> uh, just based on the data. So things like that. Wow. So we all just got to move to Hawaii. So were you not surprised by Trump's win? I said Trump was going to win from the beginning, but like, I'm not sure if that's because I'm a genius or a pessimist. To be honest, like, I'm always predicting the worst thing is always going to happen. And then you went on the internet and Google and it confirmed everything for you. That's right. Yeah, so I think that, yeah. But but I, I did say, see some signs actually in the data that Trump was going to win. Like, even some subtle things. It's very hard to know who's going to turn out in an election because everyone lies to pollsters and says they're going to vote. 
but you can see who's going to vote based on like who, who actually searches how to vote, where to vote, polling places in the run-up to the election. And it was very clear in this previous election that black turnout was going to be way down because there was a huge drop in these searches in cities that were like 90, 95% black. And that's one of the reasons Clinton did worse than the poll suggested. So I thought the African-American population actually really turned out in droves and it was the white people who fucked us over, right? Like white people overwhelmingly went and voted for Trump. No, black turnout was black turnout was way down. So black turnout was down so, and white turnout was up for Trump. Yeah, so I mean, that wasn't the only factor, but uh, it definitely was. I think that that was definitely. I think a lot, polls were kind of assuming that black turnout would stay at, at the level it was when Obama was running, but it didn't. So, uh, and I, yeah, I think you could have seen that in Google searches. I know this is dark, but can you tell us a little more about some of the racism that you were seeing? Like, what kinds of queries? I know you might not want to repeat them, but what kinds of queries? Were there, and I know you were saying it was surprising places. Like what places? I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll say the queries, but like so people know, but it's obviously disturbing. But like the most common search is nigger jokes, with, with, and so which is obviously pretty, uh, you know, a nasty search. And kind of that's the theme of the searches is basically jokes mocking and humiliating African Americans. Also, be but, original. Don't go to Google but, for your jokes. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, well, it's actually not that weird because actually uh, there's this term called anti-locution and so sociology it's considered the first like in the major stage of prejudice and it's all about jokes mocking mocking another group so like humor plays a big role in racism historically and you kind of that's kind of shown itself on the internet where that's the the main way oh yeah i mean we're big theater dorks and and historically you know blackface and all these things are terrible and is like a large large part of it um so that's fun fun times uh so mental health we should all move to sunny climates the other thing that's interesting about mental health is i study anxiety and I thought for sure anxiety was highest, was high, would be highest in in uh, New York and like urban areas like Woody Allen, like overeducated intellectuals. But it's actually high, higher in rural areas and urban areas, higher in areas with lower levels of education. It's highest in Bangor, Maine. It's higher in upstate New York than New York than New York City. So that really surprised me. Too. I, th- I think people in New York City are just talking about it openly, like it's normal here to be like, "I'm so anxious yeah. with your friends." It's like cool to be neurotic in New York, but in other places it's not. But there's, if anything, more of it in, in some of the other places. Right. Why do you think that is? Did your data tell you anything? Why do you think that people are more neurotic outside of New York City? I think their lives are really, really hard, and drugs also seem to be playing a role. So, like, anxiety has gone way up in the last. Uh, like 10 years and it's almost perfectly tracked the opiate epidemic which seemed to like uh, in- increase panic attacks and anxiety in general so uh, I think but I think like hard lives uh, probably in general make people more anxious people in Bangor, Maine probably legitimately have more to be anxious about than people in New York City so it sounds like there is a real treasure trove of data out there why do you think that so many academics and scientists are still looking to in-person interviews and things like that. I know you've, I think you referred to Google as a digital truth serum, which I thought was amazing. So why, why don't you think more people are turning to this treasure trove or are they, and are they about to? I think that, that they're starting to, and they're about to, I think graduate students in general, like uh, younger people tend to be more excited about new type, new ideas. Uh, when I started this, I was, you know, just a graduate student. So I was, I was pretty, and like pretty much all the other graduate students and undergrads were like right away, like, oh yeah, this is what, this is the future. This is what we need to do. But, uh, you know, professors were a little more skeptical, I think, except some professors were into it right away. But uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be, it's going to be studied more and more. What do you know about people when you look at their searches? You know, where they're searching from? Do you know roughly how old they are? What sort of information do you get about people? So the data I've been using generally has been just aggregate anonymous data so just this is how many uh how many searches there are made and they take out if some if one person makes the same search multiple times in a short period of time that's like taken out of the data set but uh one of the reasons maybe it wasn't uh used that much initially is it seems kind of strange to to uh draw so much from searches because no matter what the search is you can always think of other reasons someone makes a search right so I, for example, search for jokes on multiple occasions while writing my book, and I don't consider myself. I like to think I'm not racist. I, you know, I was doing research, and uh, but I think that kind of washes out in the data. And despite, and you know, even if not everybody who makes a particular search are expressing a particular attitude, uh, you still see kind of very clear patterns. And when we have kind of offline data, ground truth data, 
uh, the Google search data very frequently correlate strongly with that data. I'd love to hear more about the results you found surrounding body image. So one example, but of course, please tell me all of them, is that, you know, women, there's such pressure to be thin. And for men, there's actually weirdly this pressure to date thin women, but that the data actually shows that that's that men prefer larger women. So I don't know if you could talk about some of the body image things that you found like that and, and other details. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's like another thing you see on Google or all around the internet is people expressing concerns about their body. One thing that surprised me right off the bat, so this was, so Google AdWords is another uh, source of data and they actually uh, do record the gender. They do for the gender and age of people, the, the websites people visit. It's not perfect, uh, but they try to estimate your age and gender either, either if they know it for sure from your Gmail account or if you're always going to like women's health search sites, they assume you're a woman, or you're always going to men's health sites, they assume you're men. But uh, so so they so they estimate what percent of men and women are going to searches looking for weight loss, going to websites looking for weight loss or looking for uh, plastic surgery. And one thing that surprised me is I would have thought that body image is 90% uh, female issue. And you see uh, on uh, from the Google data, it's definitely more female than male, but it's very close. It's about 55% uh, female and 45% male. Uh, so I think a, a lot of men have uh, body image issues as well. It's, they're even more uh, unlikely to admit to these issues. And one of the ways it plays out, which also surprised me, is 20% of the searches looking on how to change one's breasts are from men looking how to get rid of man boobs. Uh, so, like, again, something that I don't think a lot of men talk about, but it's really a big issue in a lot of men. Like, they a source of great shame and embarrassment. And then, obviously, this is probably not surprising. Men are obsessed with uh, the size of their, uh, their genitals, their penises. I would never have seen it coming. <laughs> yeah. Men ask more questions about their penis than any other body part. And they ask more questions how to make their penis bigger than how to tune a guitar or change a tire or make an omelet. And one of their top questions about their penis that I really found amusing was how big is my penis, which is like a weird way to to uh, to find out. Yeah, uh, like Google is going to tell you, yeah. your dick is seven inches. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Also, well, they should that... be Googling, how do I use my dick? Not yeah. how big is it? Yeah. yeah well, there's a dick measure yeah. reader on yeah, all new exactly. computers. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Yeah, you just slap it on the keyboard and it lets you know. <laughs> and what about for women? What issues uh, are you seeing women uh, Googling? Uh, women, like a big concern, which I also didn't know, but maybe I should have, is uh, vaginal odor. That's like that's like a predominant question they have about their, their genitals. And that, uh, you know, initially, actually, when I wrote it, I wrote it in the New York Times column, and I was kind of just listing all the like, odors they were concerned about. And I was just finding it amusing because I'm kind of maybe immature, but. Uh, I actually later started going to some websites like that come up if you look for you know, uh, searches about vaginal odors. And you see message boards. A lot of it is from younger girls, like teenage girls or younger. And they're like, they really think their lives are ruined over this. And I kind of realized that like, uh, this is actually a pretty big issue. And actually some people from sex ed, teaching sex ed contacted me about how to maybe incorporate some of this data into uh, sex ed classes because it's not something that's usually talked about. But you can see like, like it's not. I don't think it's extreme to say that there have been like young girls who have committed suicide over vaginal odor. Just because when you're young, like you don't know what's going on, and the mind can go into very, very strange and dark and paranoid places. And you see that on the internet. And I think with this data, hopefully we can incorporate this into classes and tell people what's normal and know and kind of calm down some of this paranoia. Whoa, that's so crazy. I mean, along those lines, I also feel like before the internet girls didn't even know to know if it was a problem. Like, sometimes I'm so glad I didn't have the internet in middle school because I only recently found out about labiaplasty and what your vagina is supposed to look like. But fortunately, I'm old enough that I'm like, well, whatever, you should just be happy to be there. But, like, if I'd known about that shit in middle school, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, because I think there have always been probably among, uh, you know, particularly younger people, uh, big uh, sources of paranoia. I mean, just to be clear, my vagina is amazing. It is. No filter. <laughs> um, let's segue into sexuality. So what sort of queries are you seeing around people's sexuality? Uh, so that's one. So, yeah, so I was testing, like, how many men are gay uh, in the United States. If you look at surveys or Facebook data, you see these huge differences in the gay population. There are far more gay men, according to surveys or Facebook, in uh, California than in Mississippi. So in places where it's easier to be gay compared to places where it's harder to be gay, which isn't so surprising. I can say that there are basically two reasons for this. Either the gay men born in Mississippi moved to California or places like that uh, 
it's more tolerant or because the gay men who live in Mississippi are in the closet. And you can actually test with Facebook data because they record the hometown of people, how much mobility there is. And you can see that there is some mobility. There are some gay men moving out of uh, Mississippi into California, but it, it, it explains less than half of the differences. So the rest of the differences are from presumably from closet gay men. Uh, and then the other way it tests is you can see gay porn searches and or gay porn visits. And there are definitely some more gay porn visits in like uh, New York and California places where it's gay, but the differences are much smaller. It's about 5% of male porn searches are for gay porn just about everywhere. Uh, so this suggests there are a lot of gay men still in the closet in places where it's hard to be gay in the United States. And then the uh, other evidence this is the number one search that women have about uh, their husbands. It, is my, the number one question they have is, is my husband gay? And uh, these searches are much more prevalent in, in uh, places where it's hard to be gay, where the other evidence suggests there are a lot of gay men in the closet. So like Mississippi and Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, women are much more likely to ask if their husband gay, presumably because a lot of them are married to gay men. You had written something else that I thought was really interesting about how basically this has to do to some extent with evolution, right? Like we have so much weird shit out there. Like, for instance, we interviewed, I keep going back to this, but we interviewed a furry in our first uh, episode of this podcast. And one of the theories behind the sexual side of the furry community is that, you know, they were coming of age what? and what? figuring what? Just for clarity, what, what's a furry? I don't know what a furry is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, that's crazy. You don't know what a furry is, given your research. Anyway, furries are people who like to dress in mascot suits. You can listen to episode one all about it. There's a lot of uh, fetishizing around this concept of fur sex and fucking in mascot suits. And some of the theory is that this, you know, there's a generation of people who came of age the same time around, like, the Lion King and these... Uh, anthropomorphic animals. So we have more and more stuff out there for our minds to then play with. So my question is, do you think sex is only going to get weirder and weirder and weirder using the term weird very loosely? Yeah, I definitely, I totally, I totally agree on that. You see that so much in the data, like how much of porn seems to be tied up to childhood in various ways. So, uh, you know, searching for cartoon porn or searching for, oh, I, I said the number one occupation of women in, in heterosexual male porn searches is babysitters uh, and also like cheerleaders and teachers, really uh, kind of uh, formative, uh, you know, formative uh, beings in, in people's childhood. You know, with TV and uh, internet and virtual reality and augmented reality, as the kind of images presented to kids uh, get maybe stranger, I think uh, adults, uh, porn preferences are also going to get stranger. I'm pretty. Cl- I, I think it's pretty clear in this data that that's a big part of how sexuality forms is uh, is uh, chi- chi- childhood imprinting. So, in your philosophical mind, Seth, uh, why why are people going to Google and not speaking these things out loud? Well, yeah, I think there's a there's still a lot of shame around so many areas. Like men's big com- concern after uh, penis size is how to make uh, the sex their sexual encounters longer, how to deal with premature ejaculation. And women, like, they're frequently searching how to make it go quicker. So it's kind of like if maybe they talk to each other instead of uh, made searches and they have better communication. Even within marriage and relationships, people aren't necessarily communicating. And uh, they're kind of on different wavelengths, and they'd be much better off if they were if they were talking to each other about their issues or desires or problems. We like that. Talk to each other. Uh, real quickly, can you give us a rapid fire? So uh, in India, the men are looking to try breast milk. Japan, they're really into tickling. Can you give us a few more uh, countries, just like the crazy shit that they're searching for by country? Uh, those are the those are the two craziest. So yeah, in the in like the top one hundred searches, there's nothing too like. Too shocking, although it, it depends on what you're shocked by. Like, it's pretty, you know, if 1% of men are searching for, like, granny porn, that seems to be pretty much the same everywhere. And then, like, uh, she-male porn is, like, another big one uh, that I think, you know, again, like, it's a pretty mainstream desire that I think, you know, like, pretty much in every country. The other thing with female, that, that does go to female sexuality, again, you have to be careful to bring this because only about 20% of women watch porn. But I did write this, and it's, just, it's kind of a little bit disturbing, and I'll, I don't even love talking about it because of all the things going on and whatever, but, you know, the, like, violence, violent depictions of violence against women. Women is, are like, searching really for that? Women. Yeah, in, like, every country. It's, like, uh, yeah, like, probably about 18% of 
of female porn searches are for, uh, are for that, and uh, you know, and, and yeah, and like much higher than the number of men who search for it. And uh, again, it's true in like all parts of the world, no matter how women are treated, whether it's like uh, Berkeley, California, or Saudi Arabia, uh, kind of similar numbers of of uh, like large numbers of women searching for that, or watching that. The psychology of that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'd love to know. What are your goals for this book and this research and this data? What are some things you'd love to see happen? A lot of it is I was writing a book that I kind of wanted to read. I, I, I kind of want to inspire like younger people like uh, to go into this field of data science just for the selfish reason that I want to read more books like, like the one I wrote <laughs> by people like smarter than me and like more, I don't know. Like, like I, I want to read like in 10 years some, somebody who's just like solved the mysteries of human uh, psychology and existence, like just using this data. So uh, I thought maybe if they saw saw some of the stuff I was like I was doing, it would inspire them to go into this field, like some total like eighteen uh, year old genius or something. Uh, so that was kind of one thing. But uh, generally, I think I'm a big believer that uh, the, that human progress is possible with data analysis. Uh, so the more information in general we have about people, the better, and that uh, true information is generally more helpful than uh, false information. Uh, so it's better to know uh, some of these things, even if they're a little bit darker. It's definitely better to know where anxiety is highest and what maybe causes it and where depression is highest and what causes it. And Well, I would say that, uh, that uh, you know, I want people to feel like less weird and less alone because it's good to know if you're concerned about, if you're a man and you're concerned about man groups or you're an 18-year-old girl and you're concerned about vaginal it's just probably nice to know that uh, there are millions of people out there who have the same insecurity as you do. Uh, so that, that, is, that is one of my motivations. But then I was also thinking that, and I guess this also gets to the point of, 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 your, of your podcast. Uh, so we have this idea that if something is common, then it's okay, right? So like if 5% of men are gay, then nobody should be embarrassed to be gay. And I definitely don't think anybody should be embarrassed to be gay. But there is definitely, this data also reveals that maybe some things you thought were more prevalent than they were, like furries, for example, which I haven't really come across that much in my, in my porn data, not enough to even notice it. Uh, you might think, oh, like everybody else out there secretly has the same desire, and then you see this data, and you're like, oh, no, it, it's just me. Uh, and I don't think that, uh, you know, that that, that, that that should mean that somebody should be embarrassed or feel, feel wrong about some desire they have. Like, I don't think there's a threshold above which, uh, you know, if, 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 a, if a, a desire and insecurity reaches that level, then it's uh, not something to be ashamed of. And if it doesn't, it is something to be ashamed of. I think, mean, you know, the, the really, uh, nobody should be ashamed of, of any of this stuff. Well, on that note, we, you know, have to get going. And that's the perfect way to wrap it up. Yep, that's totally what we're talking about here on this podcast. The other thing that I think is really exciting is that this is only the beginning in terms of technology and data. And I'm sure there's so much more information that everyone's going to be able to mine soon. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, everybody, please read Everybody Lies. All right, and take care, Seth. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jen Allison. And now a real missed connection entitled, I gave you an accidental back scratch from a website that apparently still exists, Craigslist.org. We were strangers in the 27th row on a flight from Seattle. We, we didn't even exchange lows. You seemed queasy and kept putting your head on the seat in front of you. I was high on cold medication and decided you needed a back scratch. We both realized what was happening, but it was too late. I scratched your back in an affectionate manner for at least five seconds, no more than ten. I patted you on your back awkwardly at the conclusion of my back scratch, then pretended to be asleep. If you're reading this, I'm sorry. Well, given a back scratch is just not that weird in light of everything we've yeah, heard about in no, our interview today. It doesn't faze me at all. Nope. Don't, you don't even need to pay us to apologize to that person who's back. You scratch. Yeah, you just do your thing. You know, don't you do you. Yeah. Scratch people's backs on the plane. Um, so I wow. loved the interview. Loved it too. Shocked that he didn't know about furries. I After know. all of his Google shit. Well, I couldn't believe it. You know, he I was said, like, am I explaining this to you? He said, <laughs> you were wonderful, Seth, if you're listening. Seth, you're awesome. He said he has seen a lot of cartoon sex I know. Searches, I'm kind of wondering if he's seen it and didn't realize that it was That's this community. for it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to share with you guys yes. that uh, I think is funny is so, you know, Google has all this data on you, which 
we were obviously just discussing. And you had asked him how much do they know about you? And he was saying Google makes some guesses and kind of knows based on people's search habits who they are, what age range they're probably in. Right. Um, about six months ago, someone told me how to look this up in your own Google account and see what Google thinks that you are. Whoa. So that's something you can do, guys. Google Google the instructions, but it'll tell you how to see who Google thinks you are. Google thinks I am a man in my 40s. <gasps> how do no you, joke. So wait, how do you do I it? was like, well, this is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm, sh- I'm sure it is pretty accurate, generally speaking. But yeah, uh, it got all my interests right. It said I was very interested in, in entertainment and technology. Yes. But it thought I was in my early 40s and that I was a man. I'm surprised they thought you were in your 40s. Yeah. Because we have younger interests, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it was early 40s and definitely I'm a man. That I thought was really interesting because I was like, you know what? I don't do much online shopping Mm -hmm. and I read a lot of tech news. But I was like, whoa, Google, wait a fucking stereotype, (laughs) you know? But I think you're an outlier because you guys have weird jobs and you probably Google things that normal people in your demographic do not Google. That's correct. That's quite possible. And I wonder if my love of like musical theater and a couple old timey things like skewed me a little, (laughs) a little up. I don't know. But it was interesting to be like, what? This isn't accurate at all. I'm searching for Casablanca every day. (laughs) I don't understand. All those searches for Brigadoon. Um, All right, guys, we got to go. All right. God damn it. Well, everyone read his book, and I can't wait to see what's next in terms of what we uncover I know, me too. from Google searches. Guys, we would love to hear from you. And in particular, we would really like to know what was your last Google search? So go back to your Google history and see what the last thing was that you searched. It could be super simple. It could be extremely wacky. We wouldn't hear it all. Tweet it out with the hashtag 2G1P. What was your last Google search? You can tweet at me at June Bugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. Although also for this purposes, if you want to tweet at both of us at the same time, at Allie and Jen. And you can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. And one more option, you can leave us a voicemail, which we prefer overall. Mm-hmm. And the number for that is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. If your voicemail's great, we may play it on the show. We've done it before. And share this with your friends. Share this shit. Please, every yeah. share really, really does help us. It does. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. The Girls One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Camula and produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. Production assistance is provided by thepodglomerate.com. If you enjoyed this audio program, consider subscribing to hear less interesting episodes in the future. That's right. It's all downhill from here. Great news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. (laughs) Your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait, what's the catch? There's no catch. TuneIn lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else. Absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.